Welcome into the weekend update of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton, along with Wade Neely. Happy Friday to all those who observe, including you, Wade. It's going to be a good Friday, man. Good to be with you, brother. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, Been a busy Friday already. Been out to the Williamson County Ag Expo to watch a little wrestling. Came back to the the home studio here for today's show, and we'll be heading back out there post-show. So, um, big Friday here on Main Street Sports today. And, Wade, I know you are going to take in some hoops tonight as region tournament play gets going for Division One programs. Yeah, going over to uh, uh, North Lawrence County, as it were, tonight, as uh, Summertown's going to host Grundy County. Uh, our colleague, Scott Stewart, will be down in Loretto. And uh, our, another friend of ours, good friend of ours, A.J. Good, he, I think, is going to be covering the Lawrence County Lady Wildcats, who they're the odd team out, Mo. Six teams kind of in uh, Lawrence County making the region tournament. All five, five of the six were at home in this opening round. Lawrence County girls, though, they had to go up to Livingston Academy tonight. So, would they be on the road yet, do you think? I would assume so, but uh, I could see them maybe trying to squeeze in a full school day. Um, they had the early game last Friday as well. They had to play at 4 o'clock last Friday in their district tournament. So, if nothing else, maybe they're kind of used to leaving school a little early for road trips, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Hey, um, like you said, big show today. We have got – um a bevy of first hour guests in the next segment we will be joined by nick harvey of the nashville nighthawks nashville's professional flag football team going to check in with the former fairview standout on what they've got going on as they continue to approach this inaugural professional flag football season we'll also be visiting with matt brown of extra points um taking a look at some of the business of sports and there's been plenty to talk about here of late so we'll be visiting with him on that and at the top of the three o'clock hour we will be joined by titan insider terry mccormick to get his daily titans report powered by zen also um well we'll get to our top story here in just a second but some interesting developments um some folks with some new jobs um, of local interest that we'll be touching on here in a second. Um, plenty to get to. So let's get started, Wade, with yesterday's results and the weekend schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. Friday Rundown is brought to you by Chip Walters of Exit Realty, Bob Lamb and Associates. The Blue Raider Voice also wants to be your trusted advisor in real estate. Contact Chip at 615-542-1915 or through his website at choosechip.net. Chip Walters, proud to support youth sports across Middle Tennessee. I'll start us off, Mo, with results uh, from last night, beginning with girls basketball. Just one game on our uh, local st uh, schedule here, but it was South Haven Christian 56 versus, uh, is that Berean Academy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Berean Academy Hickson 20, so good win for South Haven Christian. Again, 56 to 20 
was your score there. Men's college basketball last night. TSU got a much-needed win, 78-73 versus Eastern Illinois. Walsh put up 72 in a 72-49 win versus Trebekah. It was Tougaloo by a deuce. Two-point victory for Tougaloo, 77-75. And then in the battle of, well, Cumberlands versus Cumberland, it was the Cumberlands, Kentucky, knocking off the Cumberland Phoenix, 88 to 74. Women's college basketball last night. Eastern Illinois beat TSU 66 to 56. Austin P was a 54 42 winner versus Central Arkansas. Lipscomb on top of North Alabama 67 to 53. Belmont got a nice win 83 to 56 versus Valpo. It was Walsh 62, Trebekah 60. Two point game there between those two rivals. 77 to 54. Fisk. Staying hot after we talked about them yesterday on this show. They win again, 77-54 again versus Tougaloo. And the Cumberlands out of Kentucky girls knock off Cumberland, 97-55. to Big number there uh, for Cumberlands. And on the ice, the Preds staying hot on the West Coast. They got a 4-1 win if you stayed up late to watch it last night versus the Kings. Girls basketball action tonight. Um Four o'clock start for Mount Pisgah Christian at South Haven Christian. Also in region tournament action, Overton plays Beach at four o'clock. 5.30 start for Gallatin at Hillsborough. At six, Providence Christian travels to Christian Academy of Knoxville. Also at six o'clock, Houston County is at Collinwood. Boyd Buchanan goes to Good Pasture. Harpeth Hall is at Knoxville Catholic. McNary Central goes to Sycamore. Blackman hosts Stewart's Creek. That game, that Stewart's Creek-Blackman game, is a 7 o'clock start, as are the rest of these. Mount Pleasant goes to Cannon County. Cheatham County is hosting Waverly. Clarksville hosts West Creek. Merrill Hyde travels to Clay County. Independence is at Coffee County. Riverdale goes to Cookville. Briarcrest Christian is at Christ Presbyterian Academy. Springfield travels to Dixon County. Eagleville hosting Santa Fe. Red Bull and Springs travels to East Robertson. McGavick goes to Hendersonville. Kirkwood is at Henry County. Joe Burns hosts Clark Range. And Stratford visits Lead Academy. Those are all, again, 7 o'clock starts. Other games in the girls' basketball tonight. Again, region beginning for uh... – these squads this evening. Rockvale travels to Lebanon. Brentwood will visit Lincoln County tonight. Lawrence County, as we mentioned, goes to Livingston Academy. Community will come calling as Loretto welcomes them into the New Look Barn tonight. Macon County will uh, travel to Maplewood. Moore County is going to host Cullioca this evening. Stone Memorial will make the trip down to Murfreesboro to take on Central Magnet. Columbia, in a game Mo and I discussed yesterday, will travel to Nolansville. Wilson Central will visit Oakland. Shelbyville is at Page. That should be a great ball game tonight. Republic is at Pearl Cone. Knowledge Academies will visit Pickett County this evening. Portland is going to host Lawson tonight, a game that uh, will be broadcast on Pulaski Citizen Live. Fayetteville travels to Richland in the Region 5A quarterfinals there. Clarksville Northwest is at Rossview. Liberty Creek is at Smith County tonight. Grundy County will visit Summertown this evening. Station Camp is at Valor Collegiate. Father Ryan will travel to the Webb School. Watertown will visit Westmoreland. White House is going to host Hume Fogg tonight. Uh, White's Creek also hosting STEM Academy. Other games uh, down the docket here, White House Heritage at York Institute 
And in an 8.30 tip-off, the rare 8.30 ladies tip-off tonight, Kane Ridge is set to play Green Hill. Other games listed on our schedule include Montgomery Central at Jackson Southside. Fairview is at Chester County. Lexington is at Creekwood. Harpeth is at Stewart County. Boys basketball action. These are all Saturday contests. Two o'clock on Saturday, Greenbrier goes to Hume Fog at three o'clock. Columbia Academy goes out west, taking on First Assembly Christian School of Cordova, just outside of Memphis. East Memphis, I think is how they refer to it. Uh, let's see. What else have we got here? Um there we go. Antioch is at Green Hill at 3. At 4.30, Hillsborough is at Gallatin. 6 o'clock starts for Good Pasture at Evangelical Christian out in Memphis. Also, 6 o'clock, Overton and Hendersonville. Trinity Christian at Providence Christian over in Murfreesboro. Wilson Central travels to Blackman at 7. The rest of these are all 7 o'clock starts as well. Uh, Warren County is at Brentwood. Cheatham County is at Camden Central. I presume that's a 7 o'clock start. Montgomery Central is at Chester County. Brentwood Academy travels to Memphis as well to take on Christian Brothers. Franklin is at Coffee County. Columbia Central hosts Ravenwood. Rockvale is at Cookville. Creekwood taking on visiting Lexington. Cullioca goes to Eagleville. STEM Academy is at East Nashville. Red Boiling Springs is at East Robertson. Fairview hosts Jackson Northside. Gordonsville takes on visiting Merrill Hyde. Mount Pleasant goes over to Grundy County. Lincoln County is at Independence. Sycamore is at Jackson Southside. And Joe Burns hosts Clay County. Other games uh, coming up tomorrow night include Clarksville at Kenwood. Dixon County will visit Kirkwood tomorrow night as well. Oakland will be traveling to Laverne. Lawrence County will host White County. Long trip down from Sparta, as uh, Lawrence County will be your home squad there. Portland travels to Lawson. Kip out of Nashville will visit Lead Academy. That game, again, set for 7 o'clock. Should be a pretty good one tomorrow night, Mo, as Cascade visits Loretto. And uh, Stone Memorial will travel to Murfreesboro Central Magnet. Uh, those two teams, they could just play that as a doubleheader if they wanted to and get it all think. Yeah. done on Friday or Saturday, but I digress. Mm -hmm. Stratford will travel to Pearl Cone. Knowledge Academies will visit Pickett County. Baylor's at Pope John Paul II. Moore County traveling to Richland. Again, also broadcast on Pulaski Citizen Live. Clarksville Northwest will be visiting Rossview. Santa Fe will host Huntland as uh, the Wildcats continue on in their impressive postseason run thus far. Siegel is hosting Lebanon. Glencliff's at Station Camp. Summertown will host Community tomorrow night. Springfield will be at West Creek. Uh, Smith County is at Westmoreland. MLK will make the trip up to White House. Monterey is at White House Heritage. Liberty Creek is at York Institute. Cane Ridge will take on Beach. That game is set for a 7.30 start. And rounding out the schedule tomorrow night, Perry County is at Houston County. And we have Harpeth at Huntington. College basketball doubleheader action on Saturday. UT Southern travels to Blue Mountain. That's a 12 noon start for the women. Also at 12 noon, also the women's start. Rebecca is at Cedarville. Men will follow in both those cases. One o'clock over in Lebanon. Georgetown of Kentucky comes to take on the Lady Phoenix. The Phoenix will take the floor after. Also at one o'clock, SIUE, that's Southern Illinois of Edwardsville will be at the Gentry Center taking on Tennessee State. It's a one o'clock start to that twin bill there. And at two o'clock, 
Fisk is down in Holly Springs, Mississippi, taking on Russ College. Men's basketball action on Saturday, 12 noon tip-off. You can see it on the SEC Network. Vanderbilt goes to Gainesville, taking on the Gators of Florida. At 4.15, Lipscomb is at Austin P. 5 o'clock will be televised on ESPNU. Missouri State is at the Curb Center against Belmont. Western Kentucky comes to the Glass House, taking on Middle Tennessee State. It's a 6 o'clock tip and 100 miles of hate there. 7 o'clock, Texas A&M comes to Food City Center at Thompson Bowling Arena, I think it is, taking on the University of Tennessee Volunteers. Again, that's a 7 o'clock Central Time start, and it can be seen on ESPN. Women's basketball, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. This will also be on ESPNU. Middle Tennessee State's women go to Bowling Green, taking on Western Kentucky, trying to stay perfect in Conference USA play. At 2 o'clock, North Alabama is at Austin P. Also at 2 o'clock, Central Arkansas is at Allen Arena, taking on Lipscomb. On Sunday, 11 o'clock, ESPN. LSU comes to Knoxville, taking on the Lady Vols. At 2 o'clock, Vanderbilt is at Arkansas. Also at 2 o'clock, Belmont is at Murray State. NBA action. First game back from the break, right, Wade? Yep. Okay, the Clippers will be at FedEx Forum against the Grizzlies. That's a 7 o'clock start. You can see it on Valley Sports Saturday. Also on Valley Sports, 9 o'clock tomorrow night. The Preds continue their western swing, taking on the San Jose Sharks. That's followed with a... 7 o'clock game Sunday night on Valley Sports as the Preds will be at Anaheim taking on the Ducks. And finally, Sunday, 4 o'clock, the game is at Geodis Park. It can be seen on Apple TV. The Nashville Soccer Club, 1-0, making their MLS opener against the New York Red Bulls. Again, 4 o'clock, Geodis. You can see it on Apple TV. That is your rundown. Top story brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Be sure and get through there for their delicious daily deli lunch options as well as their hand cut meats and everything is cost plus 10% at the register. So be sure and check out Piggly Wiggly in Neely's Mill in Columbia. Um, Wade, I believe you and Chris addressed on Wednesday the um, unexpected departure of Eli Gold from the football play-by-play duties at the University of Alabama. Well, Eli is back behind the mic. He will be handling play-by-play duties for the Nashville Cats of the Arena Football League that franchise announced earlier today. Um, Eli was the voice of Alabama Crimson Tide football for 35 years, called seven national championship games, 11 SEC championship games, and 35 bowl games. According to the Cats, it is an honor and privilege for the Cats to have the legendary Eli Gold be our voice and be part of our franchise in a variety of ways. We are not only excited to hear him on the calls of our games, but also how he will become a leader in the community as part of our franchise outreach. So, um, this 
isn't really anything new for Eli Gold. He previously called some arena ball on NBC and TNN mm-hmm. and has also been a leading radio voice in NASCAR. So a lot in Eli Gold's background beyond Alabama. So this is, you know, pretty good get for Nashville. You would think. Yeah, I think so. And that's my immediate thought is uh, number one, it's anytime you get to hear Eli on the headset, it's uh, fantastic. He does a great job and he's a consummate uh, professional, but to me, yeah, this is a, a great get for the cats um, kind of, trying to reestablish a little mojo, you know, you've got a little bit of an inherent fan base in those from the, from the good old days as it were, but kind of tapping in and giving yourself a quality play by play voice, I think will go a long way toward kind of rebuilding some of that, that goodwill and that fandom. So I think it's a great uh, fit between the two clubs that with obviously Eli uh, having served uh, in that role prior. Absolutely. Um, the Cats open their season on Saturday, April 27th against the Minnesota Myth at, I believe that's a home game, at Municipal Auditorium. So if you can't make it, you can always listen to Eli. So should be fun. Um, when we come back to the Lee Company Studios here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, we will be joined by Speaking of new football franchises in town, Nick Harvey of the American Flag Football League's Nashville Nighthawks. So we will talk to him about making the transition from 11-man to to flag and making the transition from Fairview to Nashville. So stay with us when we come back here on Main Street Sports today. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. 
A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. We thrive under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Welcome back to the weekend update edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton. Joining us now is Fairview High School graduate and former Yellow Jackets gridiron standout, Nick Harvey. Nick. What's going on, guys? Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? We're, we're doing Good. well, man. Appreciate you taking some time with us. Um, big weekend for the Nashville Nighthawks this weekend. For sure. We got another round of OTAs, so I look forward to that. It starts tomorrow. Um, continuing to kind of work that roster down, I guess. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, there's lots of talent. There's lots of people trying to, you know, make their way on this team. So everybody's got to earn their spot. Okay. Uh, you know, when you started playing flag football after a successful high school career, successful college uh, career, did you ever feel like it was something you could get paid for? Definitely not. Um, I was happy paying my way, and uh, it, it's just an honor and a blessing to be able to get paid to do what we love to do, and that's compete. Nick, as you uh, go through this round of OTAs and the season kind of gets closer and closer, uh, we had a great chat last week with your head coach, and I guess um, I'm curious for you, what are – what are you hoping to take away from OTAs other than, I guess, just obviously finding the best talent available for, for the roster here? Um, I'd say the biggest thing is chemistry. Um, I'm mainly an offensive guy and uh, Chris, the head coach, he's, he's been my quarterback for four, four and a half, five years. So um, just, you know, getting chemistry with a new quarterback, 
um, and just, you know, a new group of guys. So I'd say chemistry for sure. You know, Nick, I, I heard you refer to your coach as Chris. How tough was that transition for you going from playing for Chris to playing with Chris to, again, now playing for Chris, Chris Hughes, the Fairview coach? Yeah, it was uh, – you know, that transition happened, like I said, about four and a half years ago. And I mean, for the longest time, I kept on calling him Coach Hughes, Coach Hughes. It's what I knew him by. I didn't even know his first name, like it never registered. But, uh, you know, over the past four years, it's uh, it's turned into Chris. And then now when I'm talking to my old high school buddies, I say Chris and they're like, what, what are you talking about? So it's going to be, uh, you know, it, I'm sure it's going to be an easy transition to go back to Coach Hughes. <laughs> um. Tell us about who you think will be y'all's quarterback. Like you said, you you played with Chris for an extended period of time in flag ball. What are what are your thoughts about that position with with the Nighthawks? Yeah, I would say it's um, it's definitely going to be Mark. Um, you know, he won. Uh, I guess it was two years ago with uh, Kings of Florida. Uh, yeah, I played very limited time with him, but I've seen him on the field. He's he, he, it's really hard to pull his flags. He um, he's a great quarterback. He he knows the game. Um, so I, I have a feeling it's it's definitely gonna be Mark. Most people would say he's the best in the league uh, right now, for sure. And, and I guess regardless of what level of football it is, it's a quarterback-driven sport. But um, Nick, what do you think? as you expose this sport to maybe a new and a new clientele, maybe for lack of a better word, a new fan base, what are people going to gravitate to? What are they going to like about the product they're going to see on the field? I definitely think they'll like the, the speed of the game. Um, and, you know, just like tackle football, uh, sometimes arms aren't just going to, you know, knock someone down, just like when someone's right there ready to make the tackle, they're going to miss flags. So, um, you know, the speed of the game, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, built around uh, agility. Um, so the fact it, it's just fast paced. I, I'd say that's the best answer to that. Nick, I'm curious, uh, a lot of folks uh, we've seen locally, regionally and nationally, you know, great gridiron players but i'm curious for someone that shows up and maybe says oh i can show up and, and you know do pretty well at this thing what's something that uh somebody might not expect that they would need to know if they wanted to make a transition to be a successful flag player as opposed to a traditional football player i guess i would say the hardest thing for me would just you know go against instincts when someone's reaching for your flags you know you want to swat it down you want to swat their arm down um and it's just you have to get your hands out of the way. They cannot be down low near the flags or else it's a flag guard, and that's a costly penalty. So, um, you know, learning how to flip your hips and and it's a different mindset. You know, usually um, you got to create more space than, you know, you would running through an arm tackle. You really actually got to avoid them touching you at all. And really those flags stick out another uh, foot, foot and a half. So you got to you got to get away from the defenders big time. Coach Hughes was with us last week, and he mentioned also uh, we could really see some explosive playmakers and some kind of highlight reel type plays. And I guess I'm curious your take. Um, 
on seeing some of those players that maybe I guess fast twitch is the, the big buzzword. Those guys are the types of guys that maybe are going to have the most success in a league that you're getting ready to uh, transition into. For sure. The fast twitch guys that just, you know, can one step and they're out of there. Those are definitely the hardest people to pull their flags because uh, it's one thing to be running, but it's also another whole different thing when you're running and someone's reaching for your flags just to twist your hips right at the last second. Uh, that helps, you know, the fast twitch muscles, um, you know, defending guys. Uh, I'm sure there's angles that way. I'm really not a defender, but I'm sure I'm going to have to play uh, both sides of the ball a little bit. But offense is my key position. So, but yeah, all kinds of talent out there. Um, you know, the, the, I think I heard some clips from y'all's interview and I, I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more to what he was saying. Great. Nick Harvey of the Nashville Nighthawks joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. The Nighthawks begin their season April 27th out in Las Vegas, along with Dallas and Boston. Y'all play two games each, each weekend. Is that right? Yes, sir. You got it. And our first home game is uh, May 18th. Um, so we're playing, we're opening up playing uh, against Dallas there. So then uh, our next game, I believe it's uh, June, June 15th. Mm -hmm. yeah. And both of those will be at the Vanderbilt soccer and lacrosse stadium on, on the campus of Vanderbilt university. So um, be sure and check these guys out. Um, Nick, we appreciate you taking some time with us. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank, Thank you, Nick. When we come back here on Main, on Main Street Sports Today, presented by TOA of Columbia, Matt Brown of Extra Points will be joining us talking a little sports biz. Stay with us when we come back from this break. Live under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. 
Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. From the Lee Company studios of our respective homes, it is the weekend update edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton, joined by Wade Neely, and now also joined by Matt Brown of Extra Points. Matt, good afternoon. Hey there. Thanks for having me on today. No, man, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. When um, when we had talked about bringing you on, it was um, in the aftermath of the news that Florida State may actually be able to buy their way out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and we're going to get to that. But as, as has often been the case, there's never a dull moment in sports business these days. No, I've made uh, yeah, I've made that joke with my wife several times. Like, remember off seasons? I feel like we had off seasons a little bit when I first started on this beat, and that has uh, those days have been gone for at least the last four years. <laughs> and and I don't know that they're ever going to return. Probably not. Yeah, um, we do want to talk though about that situation with Florida State and um, the Atlantic Coast Conference, but I just want to say. If you have any interest in sports business and you are not following slash subscribing to extrapointsmb.com, I don't know what you're doing with your life. I, I got on here and there is an article that I've got to get into about what a director of basketball operations does. And I'll be honest with you, that's that's a title that I've always been fascinated by. 
So I'm I'm looking forward to digging into that article here at some point over the weekend. And I wouldn't have thought that men's basketball dobos and women's would be different, but apparently there is a difference. Uh, there are a couple of them. You know, I think what was interesting about the conversation that I had there, it was it's with a, a, a woman who's, who's done both, uh, which is a little bit unusual in Division One college basketball to have somebody uh, who briefly was the dobo of a men's and women's program and then just women's and then kind of switched to men's, uh, particularly at a program like Northeastern, which is uh, you know where, where, where the, the, the folks work that I spoke to. Because uh, that's a program that on the men's side is is trying to play for NCAA tournament seeding, and it's going to be playing not maybe not a national schedule, but playing ACC teams, playing Big East teams, you know, and 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 playing up and recruiting up in a way that might be different from from the women's side. So, if you're interested in like the behind the scenes things, Dobos are the kind of folks that do basically everything that the coaches don't do, which is everything from getting everybody fed to figuring out. What you know, hotel conference room we're going to use for team meetings to serving as the team therapist, which is which is not a joke. Uh, to to doing some kind of secret behind the scenes coaching, like these are the these are the people that when it's the dog days of February, are the or have a big role in keeping your team culture together. And that's you know that that's we try to take an expansive view of what we write about on extra points. Most people just want to talk about the video game today, and I imagine we'll talk about the video game here in a second. But oh, that's only yes. a portion of the kind of things that I do here between lawsuits, labor, video games, and also interviewing Dobos. Dobos are kind of the walking example of other duties as assigned, right? That was, I think, yep. I think that was almost exactly what was put in the story, right? This is, this is the, the, the two paragraphs of what your job description is. And here's the six pages of what you actually do. And Lord knows that's true. And for, for football staffs as well, for analysts or recruiting staffers or nowadays, I think you have people that are like director of player personnel, which is uh, a kind of a shadow general manager, which ends up doing a whole lot more than what appears just in that job description. But that, you know, that's part of working in college sports for you too. Even if you're not on the coaching side, you're doing a whole lot more than what your uh, LinkedIn profile says you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, and I've uh, worked in very small college uh, basketball and seen some of the hours and crazy assignments that those guys, uh, those men and women put in. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm curious, we kind of were focusing on the mid-major realm. Uh, is it fair to say as you ascend up the ladder into, you know, your very high major uh, programs that Dobo almost kind of turns into like a, a corporate executive type role or, or what are the assignments? How do those change as you uh, ascend the ladder, I suppose? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. And, you know, I, on some level, if, if you are somebody who's the dobo at a place like Tennessee or Ohio State or Alabama, um, in, in some ways, that is a job that you might take if your goal is to be a Division One basketball coach. There are several coaches that who their early jobs were in that position. But it's also a position you could take if you want to be work in athletic administration. You know, I've, 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 I tell people, like, and, and again, this is not just specific to, to higher mid-major college basketball, but if you can handle operations on a mm. team level, you can handle sport administration. You can handle most everything that doesn't require a law degree, um, uh, you know, uh, with, within the athletics department, right? And so some people want to stay in that role because they like having very personal relationships with athletes. And that's something that, as I understand it, is part of the role, whether you're at Austin P or Tennessee. Um, but maybe some of the negotiations you're doing with hotels or what you're doing with equipment managers or some of the other things, that's a little bit different 
the more resourced institution that you are. Hmm. There we go. Matt Brown of Extra Points. Again, you can follow him at Matt Brown EP on X. His website is extrapointsmb.com. Be sure and check it out. Matt, Florida State. What is the number going to be? Do we have a feel for what the number is going to be? Is this just a matter of negotiating at this point now that it seems that there is a check that can be written for them to get out of the ACC? I know. I think that's pretty much always been the case. Whenever you have a contractual dispute like this, um, it's always a question. I mean, the, the, the contract can say one thing, right? And you go to the courts and you, you talk about it. But these are always fundamentally negotiations. I don't think we're especially close knowing what that number is because for Florida State, how you pay that check is very different if the number is 112 million versus 400 million. If the number is, you know, under 200 ish and change, which is a, a nominal amount then for your grant of rights and the majority of the ACC exit fee, that's the kind of money that you can raise by selling bonds, by uh, you're reaching out to traditional state investment vehicles the same way that you would to raise money to build a stadium. Um, and, and then that is a transition that I think could happen relatively quickly. These are not, none of this is amount of money that you can pick up in private fundraising. Florida State, and this is no disrespect, and this, uh, this is true for, I think, anybody in the ACC, nobody has people that can write $300 million in personal checks. Texas did, couldn't even do that. The question is, if the what if the number turns out to need to be above three hundred million, and that's when you start looking at, all right, maybe that's when we have to have those private equity conversations. Maybe that's when we have to look at fundraising vehicles that are more exotic than just selling bonds or going to First National Bank of Tallahassee and borrowing one hundred twenty-five million dollars at four and a half percent. Those questions aren't answered, and I don't think they're going to become more clear for several months because we are talking about a flavor of litigation and some complexity and public financing uh, that is not something you can kind of bang out in a, a holiday in conference center in, in, in 48 hours. <laughs> There's a lot of billable hours that are going to have to get paid before this situation is resolved. Isn't though the bigger question, Matt, once they leave the Atlantic coast conference, where are they going? That is also a great question. And I honestly, from talking to people around the ACC, I'm not sure that's even the principal objective here at the moment, right? Because it doesn't matter if the Big Ten or SEC want you if you don't have a financial path to, to exit yourselves. And this litigation and this negotiation could theoretically take so long, working its way through uh, courts and appeals and counter appeals that the entity that Florida State eventually joins is not the ACC, the Big Ten, or the SEC. Maybe it's college football champion leagues B. Maybe it's the college football playoff you know, secondary tier presenting here, right? I don't think a lot of people appreciate just how in flux so many cornerstone assumptions and institutions are in college athletics. And that's because of employment. That's because of House v. NCAA, these other gigantic court cases that are working its way through the system here. You know, I, I think it is probable that once Florida State leaves the ACC, it would it would attempt to join one of the other two conferences. But I think there's enough uncertainty that I would you, you could very credibly see a world where the next thing they join isn't a conference at all. 
or or some completely different conf- can, uh, kind of confederation because division one as we know it and maybe in 2026 does maybe maybe that doesn't exist anymore that's not a reddit pipe dream that's a thing that could really happen yeah and, and i'm not sure how many people realize just how close we are to you know they're not being a southeastern conference or yeah. a big 10 or whatever else it is i wouldn't say that is necessarily the most likely scenario but it is unquestionably a scenario that exists or at the very least that there won't be sec or big 10 football right i i you know maybe that doesn't exist but sec softball and, and other configurations do we don't we don't we don't know. And the frustrating and scary thing, I think, for people that work in college sports is that fundamentally college sports leaders aren't that in charge. You know, they, they're not going to be the ones that get to pick who's an employee and who isn't um, or whether they're going to be there, whether they're going to be liable for millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in antitrust fees. That's a court question. And on some level, it's a Congress question, not a Greg Sankey question. <laughs> and, and Matt, you what you just said that we may not have big 10 or sec football but we may have sec softball sec volleyball that kind of thing it's such a paradigm shift you know disconnecting those programs or or taking programs in particular sports rather than taking an institution's programs as a whole that's just such a shock to the system to hear and to try to imagine i guess i think it's time to think really expansively and and part of the reason for that i'll try to walk everyone through it real quick is is really centered on what happens to this entire model in an employment system i suspect many people listening to this or who will listen to this later would probably concede that the experience of an alabama or a tennessee football player is not dissimilar from that of an NFL athlete in terms of the obligations that are put upon you, in terms of the, the structure, and also the revenue that's generated by this operation that you do not see. So, you know, it's not, it's, it may not be 100% popular, but it's way more popular or feasible to kind of wrap your head around that for an SEC football player or a Big Ten football player in 2024. But I also think most people who are not in the industry would say, well, that shouldn't be true for a volleyball player. That shouldn't be true for a college baseball player or a softball player because that's they're, they're not generating the, the thrust of the billion-dollar television revenues, which is true. Mm-hmm. But very recently, the National Labor Relations Board, uh, their regional office, ruled that Dartmouth men's basketball players should be considered employees and eligible to unionize. And I don't say this to be disrespectful, but Dartmouth men's basketball absolutely sucks. Like This, this is a team that's going to be outdrawn by a average, not even good, average Nashville high school basketball uh, game, or or right, this is we're talking 500 people in the gym for 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 Dartmouth. We're we're talking you know way sub 300 Kempom haven't made March Madness since the 50s, right? There's no big revenue coming in here. These cats aren't even on scholarship, and the judge says none of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're profitable. It doesn't matter what revenue you bring in. What matters is if you are controlled and treated like an employee. And if that's true for Dartmouth men's basketball, then that is true for <laughs> everybody at Austin P. 
That's true for everybody in the SEC across every single sport. That's true for everybody in the United uh, Football, you know, in, 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 in FCS football. That's true for, for wax volleyball, for everything. Um, and arguably even true for, for many Division II and Division III programs. Tennessee can probably afford it. They're gonna, they will complain bitterly, and a lot of contracts will have to get renegotiated, and some people will lose their jobs. But Tennessee could afford that system. But most people can't. Right. If Austin P's operation costs suddenly go up $16 million, there's no Austin P sports. Forget Austin P football or basketball. Like the, the school can't function in that environment. And that is the catalyst that I think changes how we have to evaluate everything because that changes who is a Division One institution or what Division One even means. It changes. You know, how do we find new revenue to pay for potentially 15, 20, 25 million in, or more in, in operational expenses for having to pay people to say nothing of sharing other revenues? And that's when you start to look at, OK, maybe all those that kind of Twitter sports radio talk about a Champions League or about some other kind of subdivisions here, then it begins to look less silly. And this is not just one radical judge in Massachusetts, friends like this is also part of Johnson v. NCAA, which is in federal district court in Pennsylvania. And there are conservative Republican appointed judges who have looked at the NCAA's argument and said, actually, sure sounds like Villanova football players should be employees, not well compensated employees because Villanova football doesn't make any money. But that doesn't make you less of an employee, just like I would still be a professional re reporter if I worked for a newspaper that was losing money. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean I'm an amateur reporter anymore. It just means that my man, the people who own my companies are stupid. And that's that's what's happening here, potentially with far more college sports programs than just big time football and men's basketball. Matt Brown of extra points joining us here on main street sports today. And Matt, all of that kind of plays a little bit into this week's biggest news regarding EA sports being back in the game. Is that, yeah, this is, I mean, that's, that's a huge story. And it's a huge story for a lot of people like me, if you're somewhere between your, your late 20s to early 40s, and I'm somewhere in between that group. The old college football games were like a foundational part of your high school and middle school and college experience. I didn't go to grad school in part because my GPA wasn't so hot because I spent a lot of time playing college football on the PlayStation 2, right? Rather, And, and I'm, I'm seeing you nod, Will. I'm, other, other people I'm sure listening had that, had that same experience. So there's a big nostalgia factor for this coming back. But this is also the biggest NIL deal any corporation has done, uh, at least in, in any memory of any analyst I've spoken to the past couple of weeks. EA spending well north of $7 million to pay money to 85 football players on all 134 teams. It's also potentially a big labor issue story as athletes may use this to potentially negotiate for better contracts because in many ways this is a worse contract than what exists in other professional sports. Um, and it's a big marketing deal for universities. Like it's it's a it's a it's a big story. It's so many different angles here uh, for sports business besides just excitement about being able to play this game again with real players in just a couple of months. And and Matt, with the way you kind of uh, frame that up to me, uh, video games have been in the news, you know, at the national level for a lot of wrong reasons prior. But it seems like this is a totally different conversation. We're not talking Grand Theft Auto. We're now we're talking uh, kind of a labor situation here. And uh, to me, yes, the nostalgia factor is is going to be off the charts. Uh, but I'm like you, I'm very fascinated. And I love the way that you kind of had framed your lead story here. Not really just a video game story. It's a business story, a labor story and kind of an emotional story all rolled into one. 
and yeah. you did it. You uh, surmised it eloquently there when you say there's this thing is multifaceted. There's going to be some folks I think that just want to get their hands on the game and play it and have no regard for anything else behind the scenes. But there's a lot of other stuff that's going into this, uh, truly behind the scenes. Like un unquestionably, and, and that's you know that's the basis of my publication, right? If you're somebody who's like the only thing I care about for college sports is who's playing quarterback for Tennessee, who's playing quarterback for Vandy, uh, who's going, what recruits going one way or another, and what the spread is, and I don't want to think about anything else. I understand that. That's mm -hmm. great. My publication is not for you, and 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 that's okay. There's lots of other people who can serve that particular need of yours, and 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 you, you shouldn't apologize for being that kind of a fan. But if you work in this world or you're curious about this world or you want to understand how these things fit together, which shapes who is good and who is not at other sports, that's the work that I do, right? And so for this video game beyond, and I've, I've done a lot of reporting on this video game, you know, some of that reporting is going to be, hey, this is what Dynasty Mode looks like, right? Here's how this game's going to look on your PlayStation 5. Here's who's in, here's who's not. That That's part of the deal too. But also what this means for athletic department marketing departments, what this means uh, for the logistics of expanding group licensing for college athletes and what that might mean for future video game products or trading cards uh, or other you know, kinds of IP, uh, what this means for student enrollment, what this means for athlete organization. There's, there's an awful lot. I think you could probably write about this thing once a week until the game comes out and still have plenty of reporting meat on the bone. And I have a couple of stories I've started working on this week that I hope to share maybe next week or a little bit after about some of the other business implications of, of what's happening here beyond just consumers and electronic arts. Absolutely. And seeing quite a, a flurry on social media of schools, uh, you know, Hey, we're in, we're, we're going to be in the game. And which I think is a, a cheap, but brilliant kind of way to uh, get a little free marketing mileage for those departments. I'm curious, any talk of teams, uh, that are not going to, and I guess what would be the ramifications if, if they decided not to opt in for whatever reason? Yeah. Everybody in FBS is going to be in the game or every team in FBS is going to be in the game. They've already submitted their paperwork. I think there, the, there's a super final licensing like term sheet that still has to be signed by everyone, but those conversations and, and stalling and haggling that happened over the last year, everyone's going to be in it. There, there's been some social media confusion about whether other people are going to be in it. And I can tell you, as I've reported several times that at launch FCS teams will not, even though most of them would crawl over broken glass to be in this game, regardless of the licensing money, because of the exposure that it brings. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other smaller schools have had some fun with this. Like if you know, there's been division three schools that have tweeted pictures of them in the game, they're not going to be in the game. They're just taking advantage of like the social media stuff. I tweeted a picture of me on the, uh, with fine bomb and like a FOIA request on the cover of a game. Like, look, I'm in the game. I'm not in the game yet. We're having fun on the internet, right? The, the people that are going to be in this game are athletes currently uh, on FBS rosters or who will be by April and FBS teams. So you do not have to worry about, you know, Fresno State being replaced by, you know, yeah. California Mountain Tech or something that they're going to be in the game. And I guess one other uh, kind of potential trivial question, but who's on the cover of this thing? Because, you know, for so long it had to be someone that had been removed from college football because of the situation uh, regarding – uh labor and nil before and i guess kind of where do they go with that potentially because that's obviously a huge uh talking point it's a huge one and that is a question and, and that is information that ea is keeping under lock and key at the moment despite me very politely uh asking uh, otherwise i don't think most people at the company even know at that point and i would go so far as to say it's not even certain that one there's going to be one cover there mm -hmm. in fact in fact i think i can break news here there's going to be more than one cover uh because there's more than one version of the game 
um, as is the case for for modern AAA video games now. Uh, and also, I, I I can't verify that the cover athlete is going to be an athlete at all. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a current athlete. They could uh, use a some of the recently departed or recently like recently left college sports as they've done in the past. One idea that I know has been discussed internally is to you know have lots of former Heisman winners, all the guys that might have been in the game that weren't over the last decade. Like that's been at least discussed. You could put a coach on it. Some years there has been a mascot. Like I I don't want to speculate too much because I I I don't know no, but like I've seen those conversations internally. It, it could be a lot of different choices. It's not just going to be who's the most famous dude on Colorado that we could put in this game to try to sell some more copies. It's going to, it's more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. Could they even go with regional covers, Matt? I mean, they did that before. Um, they, they did that in 2009, 2010. <laughs> I mean, part of the mystique of regional covers is diminished a little bit because most people are not buying physical copies of the game anymore. It's usually downloaded and you don't really interface with the cover of the game as much as you did. And that cover exists in the IP of the game. Um, they've done that. And I think in 2009, 2010, sometimes there's a different cover athlete, depending on the platform you're using. I can't verify or confirm any of that right now. So like, I will leave that conversation to sports radio when I know for certain I will be happy to share it. You know, you mentioned, Matt, that FCS programs will not be in the game, and that was something that I was going to mention. Um, do you – I guess the line has to be drawn somewhere just from a monetary standpoint, but do you see a scenario where at some point maybe they are? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Whether I mean, I know that some FCS schools have had conversations about it with, with EA and with those licensing agents. I don't know if sometime in the future is – by next year or as a downloadable content patch later in the year for this particular game or in three years, I, that, that I don't know, but, but you're right. Money is a big part of it. Time is a big part of it. And also disc space, right? Hmm. I had one developer tell me that if you added every FCS team in the game, when you factor in the size of the rosters and then you need their stadium files and their fight songs and their logos and their uniforms and their rivalries, all of that stuff, you're talking about nearly doubling the physical size of the game which is something that you can look into doing when it's the second or third or fourth year of the franchise. Mm -hmm. When you're building everything from the ground up, something's got to go. And FCS teams are one of those things. Um, coach likeness is one of those things. You will not see the, uh, you will not see digital Lane Kiffin on the sidelines of this game. They won't, the mm -hmm. real coaches will not be in there. And, and there well, may be the some good other thing things. about that is you won't see digital golf balls either. Right. That I can't confirm. I mean, it would be kind of nice if it's, you know, press Y to throw mustard, right? Like if you if, mm -hmm. if you want it to be in the game, that's something you could do. Maybe Ole Miss wouldn't be so crazy about their licensing being used for that. But. Hey, Matt, real, uh, real quick, a question also, as we're reading here, you know, roughly $600 for use of name, image, and likeness in the video game. Um, given the shift of gaming in general is kind of transition. We see so many in-game transactions, especially with companies like EA Sports, uh, is that on the table too for a potential slice of the pie for players uh, in addition to that base contract? Are they yeah, eligible I, I, for future, I guess, royalties in a sense in that regard? Yeah. So I, yeah, I'll, I'll have to bounce after this. I do have to go pick up my girls from school, but I will say, I asked directly about that. In this current contract, the answer is no. And the biggest reason for it is that EA doesn't really have a financial understanding or projection or sense of how big the microtransaction market is going to be for this game. And, and for that matter, this is something I get pushed back a lot from fans, but not from pro financial professionals. 
Nobody really knows how commercially successful this game is going to be. There's no way in hell it's going to outsell the Madden franchise, which is what fans tell me when I'm in college football heavy uh, markets. The last time this game was out, it sold, Madden's outsold it about four to one. Um, and and this time around, like that's now that there's there's microtransaction revenue, I'm told that EA is is, is projecting similar revenue disparities. And we haven't really had a college football game in the microtransaction era. So maybe you only sell uh, one fourth of the copies of the actual game, but you sell a lot more microtransactions when you revisit the deal. We, the thing is, we don't know because the market for that has not been established yet. Um, that will be for future deals, as will the adjustments of the six hundred dollars. Um, I hate I hate the bounce, gentlemen. No. Thanks so much for having bounce, me here, man. It's we been appreciate a pleasure. you staying as long as you did. Matt Brown of Extra Points again. Extra um, Extra Points MB Check it out. Matt's got to go pick up his little girl. We've got to go to a break. Come back here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. When you do, Terry McCormick will join us. Stay tuned. We thrive under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. The second hour of the weekend update edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Wait, I caught myself there. Well yeah. played, my friend. I'm and you nailed there. the soccer uh, during the rundown today, too. So you're you're on a bit of a heater, my friend. Uh, well, just, just ride, riding a hot streak, man. Riding a hot streak. We are joined now here by Titan Insider Terry McCormick with the Daily Titan Report presented by zen sports terry good afternoon how are you guys it is the daily titans report brought to you as always by zen sports and mo big news today the salary cap after the nfl for the 2024 season came out and it is much more than people expected most people much? are thinking it was going to be around 242 million it's going to be 255.6 million dollars i think that is the right number that is much, much so, more. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's another club, couple of players, right? Each club, yeah, with about $13 million in, in the, their pockets. So uh, for the ones who are in salary cap jail, a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm -hmm. For the ones who have money to spend like the Titans, uh, a little bit more money to spend. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, getting a little bonus there. Uh the, the thing that this is going to do, and it's it's kind of a double-edged thing, if you will, 
it gives a team like the Titans more money to spend to go out and add a couple of players here or there uh, that they might not have been able to do otherwise because I think uh, depending on who you check with, SpotTrack had them with $85 million to spend. Over the cap had them with $78.6 million to spend. So depending on who you like better, who you believe, that's your projected number. Now, that said, the other side of that is it could mean that for some of these other teams that maybe a guy who was going to be a cap cut, maybe a guy who was headed to free agency, maybe there's a little extra change found in the couch cushions now to be able to save that player and not uh, have to release them or lose them to free agency. So uh, the teams will now have to start reassessing who might be available and who might not be. So if you're the Titans and you're shopping for offensive linemen or wide receivers or cornerbacks or anything like that, you may have to reassess the list a little bit and uh, see who might be there, who might not. It's interesting stuff, you know, and going back to, you know, our conversation yesterday, Terry, about what free agents, what Titans free agents may or may not be in play to come back in 24. There were a couple of folks that we didn't really get to talk about that I wanted to talk about. One is um, right tackle Chris Hubbard. Um, As we talked about Bill Callahan getting in here as offensive line coach, that's a guy who had worked with Callahan previously. Is that right? That's absolutely right. He had been uh, a backup tackle in Cleveland there where uh, Callahan, Bill Callahan, had been the offensive line coach. And certainly I have talked to some sources who say that uh, it's early, but uh, there is some interest in Chris Hubbard perhaps coming back here. So we shall see. We shall see where that goes. Okay. And the other um, kind of – glanced over or skimmed over Ryan uh, Ryan Stonehouse's situation. Obviously, he had the knee injury that he incurred during a ball game that got somebody fired, and rightfully so. But is there any thought that he's going to struggle to get back or struggle to get back where he was when he comes back? Well, that's a good point, and that's something that, honestly, the organization has really – kept under wraps they never really said if it was an acl that's what we kind of think it was uh he had on a you know a a brace a splint that kind of went you know all the way from his hip to his ankle so we sort of assumed that there might have been at least either a broken bone of some sort or ligaments and things like that uh needing to be repaired but uh he is in there rehabbing and uh after the surgery and beginning that. So it's going to be interesting to see because it did happen uh, in the latter third of the season. So when, when it happens that late in the year, and especially if it's an ACL or something like that, uh, you always wonder if the guy is going to be ready to go by the time the next season rolls around. Now, the guy they brought in, Tyler Zentner, he was okay. He didn't do anything really to hurt them, but he's certainly not the weapon, the caliber of Ryan Stonehouse. And, if I'm, you know, the Titans' new special teams coach, uh, I'm, you know, monitoring the Stonehouse situation very, very closely because that guy is one of the best in the league at what he does. 
And if he's not up to snuff and able to get back to that level immediately, then that becomes a real concern for me. He's an absolute weapon, man. Mm -hmm. And with that injury to his plant leg, I don't know how there can't be some level of concern. True. I would, th I would think that, you know, and I'm far from a punting expert. I can, I can text Craig Hendrick and maybe ask him and have him get back to us. <laughs> but uh, I would think that if one of the legs is going to be injured, I think it, you would rather have it be the plant leg than the kicking leg, but still certainly uh cause for concern here in terms of will this affect what he does going forward because you get you guys know as well as I do you know once once you start to have a little bit of an injury and if and if you try to get out there before that injury is corrected and officially you know back to a hundred percent or whatnot then that can lead to you standing differently to doing things differently, and then all of a sudden your mechanics are out of whack because of you're compensating for the pain. And, and that, that happens all the time in a variety of sports, whether it be baseball or football or basketball or what have you. Golf, you know, it, it happens. And that's one of the things that the Titans are certainly going to have to uh, consider with Ryan Stonehouse is make sure he's 100%. I just feel like leverage is such a big thing with him specifically that the plant that that concerns me that that whole situation is concerning to me but um hopefully once he does get back they'll be able to protect him a little bit better terry yeah hopefully you know i, I think that's part of the reason for the regime change <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah um terry anything else we need to get caught up on as we head into the weekend as it regards to titans well the uh, salary cap, not only the salary cap out, but the franchise and transition numbers are, uh, you know, certainly they're out too. So I don't expect the Titans to franchise anybody, but uh, those numbers are out there. If you, you know, like 21 million for a wide receiver, I think is the going rate. Uh, 19 million for a cornerback. A running back is only a, a little over 11 million. So all the Derrick Henry folks, maybe wanting the Titans to put that franchise tag on him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that ship has sailed, yeah. but uh, certainly that kind of lets you know, the, the thing that I found that was interesting in, in the franchise numbers, in the numbers that I saw, and maybe it's broken down differently somewhere else, but in the numbers that I saw, which I think were on pro football network, I think it was, uh, they showed just offensive line as a blanket number. <laughs> of, uh, 20 something, 21 million, something like that. Well, 21 million for a center or a guard is a lot. $21 million for a left tackle is a bargain. So, you know, I, I got to believe that that's got to be broken down somewhere bit better than that because I don't think that uh, centers and guards are commanding the type of money that left tackles are these days. I wouldn't think, wouldn't think. Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. All right. Let's talk about Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee that's bringing sports betting to a whole new level, literally with their new boosted same-game parlays. When you sign up for Zen Sports, you'll automatically earn up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. If your first bet loses, you'll be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to $1,000. And now Zen Sports is offering 10 
boosted same-game parlays for NBA and NHL every single day. That's 10 bets, each with a 10% boost, and you can bet on every single one of them. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports offers a one-of-a-kind VIP rewards program. If you qualify, you'll earn monthly comps at sporting events, concerts, you name it, even sportsbook bonuses. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. So what are you waiting for? The daily same-game parlay boosts go quick, so get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. No danger of first wager. Limited to plus 500 odds to qualify. Boosted odds are derived from equivalent parlay bets offered in Tennessee. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. I'm Maurice Patton, and on Main Street Sports Today, we bring you the voices of your favorite teams from preps to pros. Um, otherwise known as the bot, Mike Keith. The, the bottom line is, we can teach Will Levis woke. I just don't know who's going to work with you on your base stealing now that he was. <laughs> well, that has nowhere to go but up. And I was just like, oh, guys, not again. Can we just bury that, burn that footage, and not bring it back? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell. Can you guess where I am today, Mo? Where, where am I? It's, it's Reece not Smith, Reece Smith Fit, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you play Chicago, you want to win. That's you, just you got that right, and when you're walking the dog, you keep the bags that you need for the dog in the bag, and you don't even have to wear it. You can just hold it, which is what I do when I walk the dog. So I think I think the fanny pack probably needed a little rebranding. <laughs> it did. So, it really did. Um, <laughs> on your show logo, we've got to get a puck in there. There's a basketball. There's a oh. there's a baseball. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not a puck. How about Mo brandishes a hockey stick? Tune in daily at 2 p.m. on Main Street Media TV. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. It's the weekend update edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. And um, Wade, we were fortunate enough to get Valer Shabila on the show earlier this week, talking about the CONCACAF Champions Cup. NSC got out to a great start, huh? Yeah, good uh good win for the boys uh last night as Mocha you know insert uh 
coffee joke here because they could <laughs> not muster up much. Mukhtar got it started with a goal in the 12th minute. Sam Surge, I mean, Valera looked like a, uh, a true prophet. He Mukhtar really did because all three of the guys that he mentioned on offense scored. Honey Mukhtar scored, got it going. Sam Surge scored. Tyler Boyd, not the Bengals receiver, scored. And um, a clean sheet for what is Willis's first name? Joe, John, Joe, Joe Willis with the clean sheet in goal for, for NSC. So great start for them. Again, they've got the Red Bulls of New York coming into Geotis Park Sunday afternoon. But um, I guess the only concern is that it, it sounds as if Mukhtar and Surridge both coming out of that game a little banged up. Yeah, it could be a concern. And, you know, that was uh, something that Valera had spoke to the other night is – you'd like to get up early and maybe give these guys a little bit of a rest and coming out with a little bit of a, a bang and a bruise is unfortunate. And that's the thing that, that is going to be real curious for me, the deeper potentially, uh, you know, last night's win all, but probably assured that they're going to advance to the next round. They would really have to uh, lay an egg at home next week. Uh, but then they get Miami after that. So that obviously will be an absolute, uh, battle of a series, but it's soccer's kind of weird. The deeper you go in these competitions, your roster management, kind of like baseball to an extent, uh, your roster management just becomes that more critical. And so on one hand, you, you really like and you really enjoy seeing your team making this deep run. And we saw that last year when they made it to the uh, local, the domestic uh, leagues cup final. Mm -hmm. Some teams will put all their eggs in that basket. And if they win, that's great, and they're content, and they're kind of cool with uh, whatever happens in the domestic season, as it were. And so that's kind of going to be the thin line that Nashville is going to have to balance because you're right. Sunday MLS starts, and that has to be your main focus. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you put all your eggs in that CONCACAF basket, if you don't win it, you're kind of, you know, potentially SOL if you've kind of sold out going for that competition when your season long MLS competition is still very much underway. So that to me will be the real uh, selling point for Nashville this year is how do they balance the roster? And that's why last night was so huge. They got the three Oh win. And that means that they're going to pretty much probably play, or they could trot out any number of guys to play that return match next week versus Mocha because three Oh at home, you're basically playing with a three Oh lead before you even kick off the game next Wednesday. So you'll have a chance, like uh, Valer told us, to play some of those guys out of Huntsville and some of your backup players as well and get some rest for Mukhtar and the like. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And again, with MLS just getting started as well, got to be a little, um, not necessarily concerned, but judicious, I guess, with how you use those guys as you manage that roster, like you said. So, But NSC off to a great start, going down to the DR as – Valer said, and, and picking up that 3 nothing win to get the year started. So we'll be keeping an eye on the boys in the blue and gold. Um, I guess we need to take a break and come back. Do we need to take a break, Mark? Let's take a break. It's on the schedule. So. It's on the schedule. Okay, well, let, let's try to stick to the schedule then. Let's we should. Take a we should. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's take a break here from the Lee Company Studios on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. We will be back 
after this break. Welcome to Protein Snack Shop, your destination for healthy and delicious low-carb snacks. Our specialty lies in providing protein-packed desserts that are perfect for those following a keto diet. Our products are made with high-quality ingredients, ensuring that you can satisfy your cravings without compromising your health goals. From a variety of flavors and options to choose from, you can enjoy guilt-free snacking while staying on track with your fitness journey. Don't miss out on our limited-time offer. Discover Protein Snack Shop today. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. 
The weekend update continues here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Wade Neely with his sun drop. Is that sun drop or Mountain Dew? Which one? It's a low grade diet diet oh. version. Oh, oh, okay. The uh, yeah, yeah, I was been known to get into the high test, as we call it. And mm-hmm. uh, I've got to go to Summertown, so I'm getting amped up. I don't really probably need any more caffeine at this point in the day, but we're going for it. Well, I don't know that you'll necessarily need amping up for Summertown. Yeah, I could. I, this this sometimes happens, too. I get uh, get ready for a game, and I'm like, okay, I need to get jazzed up. And then when you get to the gym or you get to the football field, it doesn't matter what the venue the emotion and the the intensity of the game takes you the rest of the way anyway. And then when you get home, you wonder why you can't go to bed till about 2 a.m. So <laughs> vicious, vicious cycle. There you go. There you go. Um, Georgia State appears to be close to concluding its long national nightmare after losing their football coach two days into spring practice last week. Um, Sean Elliott departing to join the coaching staff at South Carolina. It appears that Georgia running backs coach Del McGee is the heir apparent at this point. Um, school administrators seem to have set their sights on a guy who has a long and deep background in Georgia. And, um, Earlier this week, it seemed that talks were centered around him. Buster Faulkner, the offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech, whose name also came up with a um, certain coaching vacancy that you and I are familiar with, Wade, over in Murfreesboro. Mm. And um, Trooper Taylor, who had been at Duke and is now running backs coach out at Texas A&M. He served as interim coach at Duke after Mike Elko left there to take that Texas A&M spot. Uh, interim coach for Duke in their bowl game and then joined Elko on the Aggie staff. But it, it seems that Del McGee has kind of emerged as the guy for that Sunbelt program down in Atlanta. Um, 50 years old, first head coaching gig, and he has been one of Georgia's ace recruiters during his time there. So. Is that not uh, kind of the formula that it would strike that Georgia State for me needs ace recruiter? You're maybe not going to be getting you know the five stars, the four stars, but if you got a guy that could sneak in there and get one every now and again and just build a little excitement, to me though that's a classic case of uh, a recruiting driven type hire that that really could maybe thrive at a school like Georgia State. And, and I don't know how much it's going to take really to thrive at a school like Georgia Tech in also that. such a football-rich state as Georgia. And so the idea of having somebody who is pretty well entrenched in that state with the talent um, and knowing where it is, uh, I think um, if I were a Georgia State fan, I believe I would be enthused with this hire he is ranked as 24 7 sports number 10 recruiter for this current cycle according to um this article on cbssports.com they got um a couple of highly touted in-state guys a defensive lineman who was uh a top 20 
prospect and a three-star running back as well. So, again, this guy has been killing it on the recruiting trail in-state, and Georgia State feels like they can really kind of take advantage of that, and I don't know why they couldn't. So. Yeah, and you you uh, hit the nail on the head there. Football-rich state, Georgia State, ace recruiter. Seems like a classic case. You're going to win the press conference, uh, get a little buzz going. And for a school like that, that I don't want to say is as good as you can get, but that seems like a really good situation, a really good fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, the buzz of getting an assistant from Georgia – getting a guy who again has has a long history in the state and bringing him in to head up your program there is like you said you're going to win the press conference and you feel like you're going to get some wins out on the recruiting trail if not necessarily immediately because you've missed the february recruiting period now but um certainly down the line and maybe Maybe he makes makes a big dent in the transfer portal as well. That is exactly where I was getting ready to go to. Uh, so much of recruiting now is not just coming out of high school, but it's how well can you recruit the portal as well. And with those type of ties, those type of connections, and again, it doesn't take much. You get one or two key players in place, and now all of a sudden you could kind of really sell your program, and then you could kind of get things rolling. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, something we didn't get to talk to um, – Matt Brown about was the continued departure of guys from the collegiate football ranks to the professional football ranks, Wade. And and mm -hmm. there's been another one here in the last couple of days as former USC running backs coach Keel McDonald is now set to join Jim Harbaugh's staff with the Chargers. And, you know, it, it seems like we've seen an inordinate amount of these type moves here in this particular off season of guys leaving college for pro. Um, many people want to make it a state of college football that folks just can't abide by being in the college realm any longer. But this is a pretty interesting move as well, I think. Um, McDonald had been at USC as running backs coach for the last three years. He's got a guy who's going to be one of the top 10 running backs taken in this year's draft. Um, previously coached Zach Moss at Utah. So, I mean, this is a guy who's had some success coaching his position at the collegiate level and now moving on to the pros. Uh, and what gets me, I mean – there was a time where this would just kind of be a natural progression, I think. Mm -hmm. But now with everything else, obviously, again, the transfer portal, NIL, coaches are weary of dealing with that, supposedly. It's um, interesting, intriguing to, to watch that transition to me. Yeah, and for the longest time, right, you know, you've heard stories about certain coaches that didn't want to deal with the proverbial uh, headaches of college football. And that was just talking about going and doing a once-a-week radio show at the local uh, Applebee's, you know. And now uh, you're not just having to deal with those obligations. You're having to deal with the biggest uh, story or biggest thing that I've heard in the last week that really resonated with me is 
you're having to recruit to keep your kids just as hard as you're having to recruit to bring them in in the first place. And to me alone, that kind of just my personal alarm bells, I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I'd want to deal with that. And until until we maybe get, you know, however long uh, we might be trending toward that potential Champions League or Super League like we've discussed, until you get to something like that that pretty much is professional football, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see uh, moves like this where you see high-level coordinators or maybe even small fringe head coaches depart for different jobs. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I've said on this show, I've said on various social media channels, it, it's tough for me to listen to people say, I can't do this at this level anymore because it's gotten so hard with, you know, basically the table has tilted toward players or certainly has leveled out a little bit, you know, and everybody was fine when, when the players weren't being paid and didn't have the freedom of movement and that kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe I need to temper that a little bit because I, I do know that, and I've said this as well, the portal needs tweaking, NIL needs tweaking. I'm not sure that where it is at this moment in both those aspects is sustainable. And Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And and maybe when things get calmed down a little bit, then maybe it will be, you know, more palatable for coaches at the collegiate level. But maybe it's just a a fear that it's going to continue going in the direction that it is right now. And like you said, when you've got to re-recruit your own kids, that gets tough. So. Yeah, and that's that. That is just what struck a chord with me. And you know, I'm just an average Joe Schmo, uh, Giles County citizen here. And when and when I heard that that you're having to recruit the kids that you brought in just as hard as when you first brought them there, that to me seemed like whoa. Now now it's getting. Uh, you're already talking about guys that are working eighty to a hundred hours a week anyway. Uh, I mean, that is just kind of mind blowing almost. It's tough. It's tough. So. Um... We will continue to be on the lookout for that type thing as the college sports and college football landscape continues to shift. So. I will say one thing, though, as mm -hmm. we potentially do shift uh, and you see guys leaving, uh, obviously it's going to open the door for some younger uh, up-and-coming coaches to get their foot in the door sooner. But then also potentially as we yeah maybe one day gravitate toward that upper echelon league, <laughs> Think about the coaching staffs you could assemble at those schools when you know, hey, we're in a 48 or, you know, 64 team, just power league. You can start really filling out some really nice coaching staffs because then do you really want to be the coach at the head coach at Louisiana Monroe or are you cool being the tight ends coach at Michigan? You know, if you know that you're going to be in that type of a league and, and dealing with less hassle off the field, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, we may have just seen that with Sean Elliott again. You know, maybe, you know, as Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. I mean, maybe maybe you take a step back into a coordinator or a positions, uh, position coach's spot at, a, at one of those high-powered programs rather than head coach at a mid-major or less and – 
you get a lot of that stuff off your plate. And I think a lot of his was ego driven and, and deals with the administration. But I mean, look at Chip Kelly, who was uh, on a Monday linked desperately trying to get out of UCLA to the Seahawks. And then mm -hmm. by the end of the week, he's hired as the offensive coordinator at Ohio state now. Yeah. And I mean, Jeff Halfley leaving Boston college to go to green Bay as defensive coordinator. I mean, again, it, it sounds on one hand, it's really kind of irritating to hear that this is such a tough gig now that I just can't do it here. But at the, but I mean, you can kind of see how it would be tough. So. Absolutely. And another uh, key thing that has always kind of stuck out to me, how many times do you hear this over the years? Maybe not a great idea to commit to a coach so much as when you commit, you need to commit to the school or to uh, the organization at that point, because it seems like the coaches, as much as we've talked about the players and the transfer portal running rampant, it seems like the coaching carousel is probably going to uh, intensify just as much going it, forward. It's definitely spinning, doesn't show much sign of slowing down. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of movement and not just by the players. So we will stay tuned for that. Stay tuned here at the Lee Company Studios as we continue with Main Street Sports Today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. But when we come back, it'll be our final segment of the day. It's the grab bag. See what we pull out of it. Stay tuned. We thrive under the lights. A city of performers putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, when it comes to your performance, don't settle for anything less than excellence. We're proud to announce that Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic is now Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, where we are redefining sports medicine and orthopedics. Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance's team of expert sports medicine physicians understands the unique demands of your body. TOA Columbia specializes in personalized orthopedic care, offering state-of-the-art treatments for everything from sports injuries to joint replacements. Learn more at toacolumbia.com. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com.
Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. segment of the weekend update edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. Wade, we got some good news earlier today as um, local favorite Tony Kemp signed a contract with the Cincinnati Reds. Now, it's a minor league deal with a non-roster invite to spring training, but he's signed I don't guess he's in spring training yet, but he's headed that way. So, Tony is a red. You know, he's an Astros legend, a uh, member of the 2017 championship game, and he's a great friend of uh, the Titans and Nissan Stadium. So, I always like to see uh, Tony kind of doing his thing. And uh, I'm just trying to visualize the conversation between him and De La Cruz and, uh, them two just just chatting up and seeing what sort of uh, antics they could get into because of uh, two explosive players uh, in their own right. I think it's going to be fun. You know, he he's going to bring that veteran presence to a team that is a really young and really talented team. I tell you, when when the Braves went up there and played um, last year, it was right after De La Cruz had come up, and I think he hit for the cycle against them. And you know, if 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 I never see that guy again playing against the Braves, I'll be just fine. He is going to be something special, I think. So um looking forward to that. And, and I'm sure that um, Tony's going to have an opportunity to really impact those young guys in, the, in that clubhouse there. And I, w- I feel sure that that's part of Cincinnati's motivation in bringing him in. 
Absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, he was, he was with Houston for a couple of seasons there. And we mentioned one world series ring, but for a team that is young and and looking for experience, you don't need, you don't necessarily need a guy with 10 rings to come in. You know, you're just looking for a little extra guidance, a little extra wisdom. Obviously he can still play at a, at a fairly high level anyway, but every little bit goes a long way. So yeah, a little veteran leadership certainly, uh, would probably be a smart move for the Reds. I like the pickup. Absolutely. Um, he's with Houston. He was with the Cubs for a little bit. He's been in Oakland, I think, for the last four years. And mm-hmm. no rings, no rings in Oakland. But, you know, a lot of experience. Gotten some of his most extensive playing time out there, both in, in um, at second base and in left field. And, you know. I'm glad to see him get a little closer to home. Uh, he was, he was beloved. He's been beloved everywhere he's been, but particularly so in Oakland, I think. And with everything else that that franchise has been through and is going through, I'm sure they hate to lose him. Certainly that fan base does, but um, I'm, I'm excited to see him in the national league, see him a little closer to home. I'm sure he's excited to be a little closer to home. He was also in conversations over the off season with Toronto, Pittsburgh, Boston, and the Yankees. And, um, eventually he and the Reds got something done. So again, we'll be going to spring training as a non roster invitee trying to make the big league roster there. So, Real quickly, you mentioned closer to home. I'm thinking two things. I'm number one, uh, road trip or road show for the boys. And then I'm thinking number two, if not a road trip or road show, at a minimum, maybe we can uh, cash in on a couple freebies and check out some games. That's a great ballpark up there. I have not been to the Great American Small Park, to be honest. I've, I've not been to a game in Cincinnati since they were in Riverfront. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm always up. I mean – Reds, Braves, Reds, Astros, we can we can figure something out for sure. We, we can make it work. Uh, I got to go several seasons ago when McCutcheon was in his prime. And not a Reds fan, not a Pirates fan, you know, but I still remember the old NL Central rivalry. And McCutcheon put on a show. He homered, I think, three times in the two games we went to. And, uh, and also got to see Chapman put up uh, 100-plus on the mound one game. So, uh, I had two really good games. Yeah, maybe we could get the boys up there uh, to go see Tony and uh, and a team of our choosing. We'll have to we'll have to work on that. I tell you, as you talk about ballparks, and again, it would be my first trip to the Great American Ballpark. Everybody that I talk to says if you're going to a ballpark for the first time, you need to go to PNC in Pittsburgh, Ooh, which I'd would be to. a little bit more of a challenge on a road trip basis from here, but that is some place that I want to try to get to at some point. Everybody has nothing but great things to say about it. When you see it on TV, you can see the views and, and everything. And we've got a local kid up there as well with Brian Reynolds. So um, that's on my list of ones that I got to check out sooner than later for sure. Yeah. Um, Wade, you made mention of it. I think either in our group chat or on, on Twitter, I'm not sure which, but um Apparently, there is a apparel issue oh. in Major League Baseball. Oh, from the Athletic, Nike's MLB uniform rollout reaches new stage of frustration: a pants shortage. There are not enough pants to go around. 
and the pants that they do have are too thin. Uh, that's that's one way to put it. Uh, okay, transparent is another way to put it. How's that? Yes. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> um I, Nike is rolling out a new major league uniform, and I don't know. I don't know how there aren't enough pants to go around, but there aren't. And so they are having to go back into their previous years. Teams are having to go back into their previous years stash of uniform pants to outfit, particularly, I guess, here in spring training where, you know, you've got so many more people in camp than you would during the regular season. But it's... um. It's a concern that was not missed by Player Association Executive Director Tony Clark, according to this article on The Athletic. Um, the universal concern is the pant. So the Reds are wearing old pants for the rest of spring training. Other teams are dealing with other ways to try to kind of get around the issue, but apparently there's an issue. In addition to the jerseys where the colors are a little off and the lettering and numbering is a little a little off there's just um a lot of uniform concerns which isn't something you would expect no and uh i'm not as ride or die as my buddy uh vincent v love uh of titans twitter fame but he hate v uh he's pointed out that fanatics is uh I don't know that we'll be getting sponsored by Fanatics anytime soon, so I can speak, uh, I suppose, a little freely here. But they they have really kind of botched this uh, situation, and they've had their issues with apparel over the years. Um, if you order a Fanatics replica, it's not going to fit quite the same. It's not going to look quite the same just for you know uh, casual fan purchase. And so the fact that they have issues with literal uniforms for the players does not uh look good and we everybody on the internet kind of uh, laughed and roasted last night there was a picture of a uh, a guy that was bent over and you can you can mm. uh, use your imagination i'm mm. glad mark's not going to pull up the photo because you no. can see you can see some things you can see some things that you would not expect to see yes uh would rather not see perhaps yes very much so rather not see but interesting uh besides that point uh, I saw one photo of side by side two players from the same team, and they're shaking hands or, or warming up, and the the cuffs on the sleeves are totally different, and it's the same uniform, and it, and it's like how how does that happen? And so MLB's kind of got a, a bit of an issue. Uh, this is obviously you know uh, you hear this the phrase, you know, there's no such thing as a bad publicity. Well, this is kind of mm, really bad publicity. No, and this, this is not what MOB needs just no, before this, the start this, of the season. This is going to test that concept, I do believe. And I guess the hope is that they can get it all ironed out in time for the start of the regular season. But, you know, what were you doing the entire off season that this is what you roll into spring training with? So. And uh, some folks have gone to say, you know, they the uniforms themselves look kind of cheesy and there's just a lot of issues. So whether it's a comfortability standpoint, uh, you know, the, the look is, you know, the aesthetic or the look is one thing. But when you're talking about the players literally are not comfortable wearing their work uniform, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's an issue, right? Yeah, and we and, need Matt to break that down about the 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 sports business and the, potentially the lawsuit that the players could file for not having adequate uh, uniform access. And and here's the thing, you know, you're talking about multimillionaires, and and I'm sure that there is a faction of fans that really kind of takes a shut up and play approach to what you're, you're complaining about uniforms, really. Just put on what they give you and go play. But like you said, previously they've been able to kind of get tailored just about uniforms. You know, both the pants and the jerseys, they could get their measurements. They could tell them if they wanted it a little looser, if they wanted it a little snug. Um, they could tell you if you if they wanted, you know, the, the high pants or, or the pajama bottoms, you know, that kind of thing. And there seems to be a lot less leeway being provided by the uniform supplier on a lot of this stuff. And so I don't know that the players are necessarily complaining so much as they're just stating, Hey, this, this isn't good. So, yeah. And until then, we're probably going to continue to see uh, photos like we've seen the last couple of days where every, now, now it's kind of entered the mainstream, right? And now we're going to probably see more and more photographic evidence of kind of what we're dealing with here. And I mean, you can see jerseys, see through the jerseys, through the pants, tucked yeah. in. I mean, there's all kinds of issues. Uh, that's the thing, too. It's not just, oh, there was a misprint and this entire fleet of jerseys is different. I mean, we're having issues with the cuffs. We're having issues with the uh, opaqueness of the pants. All kind of stuff going on right now. Opaqueness. Look at you. But that's that was, the perfect word. I was thinking of a word, and I probably immediately uh, realized that I shouldn't have said what I was maybe thinking, so I just aborted, and I went with opaqueness, yes. No, no, that, but that's that's good. I mean, I don't know if it's the thinness of the material. I don't know if it's, you know, dye or what the situation is, but they are certainly more sheer than you would like. So that'll be something to... Here's here's Watch. a question uh, that I just popped in my brain is, I wonder how many pairs of pants the average MLB, do they, do they change every day? Uh, you know, I'm just so used to small college and, and high school level. You get one pair or little league level, you know, you get one pair and you better make it last the whole season. I'm curious, uh, even with the rips and the tears, how often do the guys actually change into a new set throughout the course of the year? You know, that's a good question. We might have to get a, a clubby. I know a guy. We might have to get a clubby and and kind of delve into that one a little bit. Um, wait as we wind it down. You you've got a little familiarity with the Washington Nationals as an Astros fan. Yeah, uh, you, more than I'd care a, to admit. Yeah, you've got a little familiarity with Steven Strasburg. Yeah, more than I'd care to admit. Steven Strasburg, if the Washington Nationals have a legend, he is probably it. But he's had a lot of health issues here over the last couple of years and was planning to retire at the end of last year. And the Nationals have said, not so fast, my friend. Apparently, they want him to renegotiate his contract to kind of give them a break and in lieu of him doing so, they're really playing hardball with him. They are wanting him in spring training and, you know, a lot of other stuff that 
you know, for a guy who does not intend to pitch again is a little off. And it just feels like the Nationals are antagonizing this guy. And this franchise has found a way to screw up a lot of things. And so this situation isn't much of a surprise, I don't think. No, this is chalk this up under uh, my not surprised face. You're right. And I mean, come on. This is, like you said, one of your Mount Rushmore type, at least in, in the current iteration of the franchise's, you know, uh, pantheon there. And so why, why, why make this such a big deal? Right. I mean, that's just why, I guess, is my end, end question there. He's due. $80 million in deferred money from 27 to 29. They're trying to negotiate that down. Um, but, you know, he's got a contract. Yeah, I, I love this piece in here. No matter what the offer is, it's his money and it's his right to say no to any uh, addendum to the deal. So let us know yeah. how that works out. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I got an idea how that's going to work out. Um some more hate for, for Doc Rivers. We've talked about him a pretty good bit since he returned to the NBA as the Milwaukee Bucks' coach. Cookville native J.J. Reddick took Doc Rivers to task earlier this week, said there was never accountability with that guy. Um, I guess um, J.J. has a... Um, ESPN spot that he does on a regular basis and really kind of ripped into Doc um, following his comments after that loss to Memphis, I think it was. So um, I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard, just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it, but it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. J.J. didn't hold back. Didn't hold back, and, uh, you know, he's part of the new NBA Finals announced team, so if you were wondering if he was going to be as uh, pointed as Van Gundy, I don't know that he'll, anybody will ever get to Van Gundy levels, but J.J., yeah, he's he's not afraid to let it rip, and uh, that's a team that he could be calling a lot of their games in the postseason later this year. Well, uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, when, when he and Doc sit down to um, kind of get some insight into the Bucks after this little – situation here so keep an eye on that um as the bucks try to improve underdog um he's got an all-star game win under his belt now at least though so nowhere to go but up i suppose for doc right uh, you got to put an asterisk next to that right <laughs> for a variety of reasons yes for a variety of reasons um we mentioned the clip uh the the um the Grizzlies are back in action this weekend, right? Tonight, they got the yep. Clips. Grizzlies got the Clippers. Uh, should be a decent enough game, I think. Uh, some folks saying around a nine-point Grizzlies underdog to situation here, but when you come to when you come to realize your team is not going to live up to what the expectations were in the preseason, and you kind of can let that go, you can kind of just breathe a deep sigh of relief and just let the universe take over. And that's that's kind of where I'm at with my Grizzlies fandom, just. <laughs> Anything from here on out is going to be a good thing. And if nothing else, 
they got you know 30 plus games to evaluate some talent going forward for next year because that's when it's really going to matter that's that's got to be tough um i am not real real emotionally invested in the grizzlies but to see a team that you thought was going to compete for some good stuff kind of be a a shell of themselves is is a tough thing to watch so i guess we'll just retool and get ready for 24 25 on that that's front. right uh, we're going to retool and get ready for Monday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance. So, Wade, have a good weekend. I'm going to try brother. to do the same. Y'all do as well. We'll see you Monday at 2 o'clock here in the Lee Company Studios. Have a great weekend.